to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two ministers of God's economy. After serving together in China for nearly 20 years, Watchman Nee was imprisoned by the Chinese government and remained there until his death in 1972. Following his imprisonment, Witness Lee carried on the ministry in Taiwan and eventually in America and around the world. Witness Lee served the Lord for over 70 years before going to be with the Lord in 1997. His life's work included a thorough life study of the entire Bible. Before we join today's program, we'd like to give you our toll-free number. That number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Now let's join Witness Lee with today's Life Study. Matthew chapter 11 concludes with the Lord Jesus calling all the ones that are burdened and toil to come to him for rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light, is his promise. This wonderful promise is then followed by a sequence of events that brings in the complete rejection of the king by the religious leaders of Judaism. We'll look at how all these events are actually very closely related on this program today. And Bob Danker has joined us once again. Bob, welcome back. Chris, it's good to be here to consider this marvelous portion in the Gospel of Matthew. Well, our program today, Bob, brings us to chapter 12, and that's the story of the Lord Jesus and his disciples uh, out in the field, breaking the Sabbath regulations by picking grain to eat on the Sabbath day. But the chapter begins with these words, at that time. And this indicates that this section is linked to what immediately went before in the last verses of chapter 11. Let's talk for a minute about this portion at the end of chapter 11. Chris, at the end of chapter 11, the Lord gave a very wonderful promise and a call. In verse 28, he said, Come to me, all who toil and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Then he went on, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Here the Lord called all the ones who were toiling and laboring to keep the regulations of religion. He called these people to come to him and to rest. This is a wonderful word spoken by the Lord. Here the Lord said that he would give them rest, not outward rest, but inward rest, rest for their souls. So anytime we are laboring or struggling to keep the regulations of religion, or anytime we are struggling to be successful in any kind of work or any kind of a career or any kind of endeavor whatsoever, we often find that we are without rest. That means we are without peace and we are without satisfaction. In order to have rest, we need both peace and satisfaction. So now we come to a section of Matthew in chapter 12 where the Lord did certain things on the Sabbath to bring his followers into the real rest. Well, Bob, that's where we're going. Let's look at a couple of verses now at the beginning of chapter 12 so we can really see this transition. In verse 12, 1, it says, At that time Jesus went on the Sabbath through the grain fields, and his disciples became hungry and began to pick ears of grain and eat. But the Pharisees, seeing this, said to him, Behold, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. 
Uh, of course, uh, his promise to come and find rest, it's hard to rest when we're hungry. And this was the Lord's recognizing of a very fundamental truth, Bob. Yes, Chris, this is very fundamental. If we are hungry, we cannot be satisfied. And if we are not satisfied, we can never have rest. Well, Bob, let's join Witness Lee. There is a praise at the first verse of this portion, chapter 12, verses 1 through 21. And these phrase connects these two chapters together at that time. At what time? At the time when he called the uh, laboring ones, the burdened ones, to rest. At that time, when he was calling people to his rest, all his disciples were hungry. When people are hungry, surely they don't have any rest. Rest includes satisfaction. When you are satisfied, you are resting. So on the day of rest, he called people to rest. You people who keep the Sabbath, yet you are laboring. And you are striving to keep the law. And you are so much burdened with all the laws, rituals, forms, regulations. You are keeping the Sabbath, yet actually you don't have any rest. You just have to come to me. You labor and uh, you who are burdened with the uh, law keeping. You come to me. You will rest. You have to put these two chapters together. You can see while he was talking about this, his disciples were hungry. Peter and John might have said, No, <laughs> we just cannot rest because we are hungry. We need something to eat. And on that day, uh, there was nearly no place for people to get something for eating because there was Sabbath. So you can see the Sabbath-keeping regulation will become a heavy burden to the hungry disciples. So the Lord Jesus was the first one not to keep the regulation. He was the first one to bring his disciples out of these regulation-keeping situations. He brought them all to the green pill with the intention for all the disciples to uh, be freed from the Sabbath-keeping regulation. When they got there, everyone was freed, freed from any burden. Everyone was satisfied. So everyone got into the rest. Well, Bob, right after calling the law keepers to come to him for the real rest, it's interesting. The Lord led his hungry disciples into the fields to gather something to eat. And the sequence could not be coincidental, either physically or spiritually. There's a strong connection between resting and eating, isn't there? Well, Chris, the Sabbath regulation that the uh, people of those days were uh, obligated to keep required them to cease from all activity on the Sabbath. In one sense, this would give them a kind of an outward rest. They wouldn't have to work. They wouldn't even be allowed to work or to do anything or go anywhere. And yet, on the Sabbath day, in this kind of a situation, the Lord and his disciples were hungry. So how could they have rest if they had an inward hunger that was not satisfied? 
It's useless to require people to keep an outward religious regulation which requires them to be at rest, and yet inwardly they have no rest because they have no satisfaction. So the Lord here did not care for the outward regulation of Sabbath-keeping. What he cared for was to bring his disciples into a genuine rest, which meant that they needed to be satisfied or they needed to be fed. And, you know, this is really applicable to us. When we are full of turmoil and we have no rest within, we have no peace within, this is usually a sign that we are dissatisfied and that inwardly, spiritually, we are hungry. So at a time like this, we need to stop our activity and we need to come to the Lord and receive from him something to eat. Where can we find the real food that will satisfy us today? Well, we can find it in Christ and in the word of the Bible. Christ is the bread of life. He's the real food, and only he can satisfy us by feeding us inwardly. But where is Christ today? Christ is in the word. If we will stop what we are doing and open up the Bible and exercise our spirit and open our heart to the Lord and read and pray, With the words of the Bible, we will be inwardly nourished and we will have rest. So this incident here shows us how much we need to eat Christ and we need to enjoy him as our food so that we can have inward satisfaction and have the real inward rest. It's interesting, Bob. The record doesn't say directly that Jesus was picking the ears and eating the grain himself. But yet we just heard Witness Lee said that he took the lead to break this Sabbath regulation. Of course, by that time, the disciples were absolutely following him. So their being in that field was not something that they uh, just accidentally got into. He led them there because they were hungry. Yes, the Lord didn't care for the outward religious regulation. He cared for the reality to provide a real rest for his followers. Well, Bob, the Pharisees observed the Lord and his disciples in the grain field. It's interesting. Uh, We're going to see in this section coming up that they must have been, in a sense, trailing him, tracking him, trying to catch him in some kind of compromising situation. But as always was the case, the Lord Jesus used this situation both to defeat the law keepers and to reveal another marvelous aspect of the kingdom. Let's join Witness Lee once again. At that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath to the grain field. He took the lead. He brought all his hungry disciples into the grain field. His hungry disciples <laughs> got something to eat. It was quite interesting. And Sabbath, all people would be home, doing nothing, going nowhere. How come that when the disciples <laughs> picking up the ears and eating, the Pharisees were all the time telling Christ, Oh, they are the FBI's, the ancient Jewish FBI, spies. Otherwise, you just tell me, on Sabbath day, how could the Pharisees there in the grain field? In a good sense, the Lord Jesus got caught. After the Sabbath patrol saw the eating. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Jesus, you got caught. You shouldn't do this. This is against the scripture. You are not scriptural. 
these afforded an environment for the Lord Jesus to reveal himself to us. The Lord Jesus checked with them, you Pharisees, have you not read that David and his followers did the same thing? The two cases were related to eating, number one. Number two, by taking this way, the Lord Jesus, no doubt, implied he is the real David. David was just a figure, a pre-figure. And the real David was Christ. With David, there were the followers. Now with the real David, also the disciples as the followers. And that David and his followers were rejected by the people. Now this real David and his followers were also rejected. And David and his followers were hungry, and Christ and the disciples were also hungry. They didn't have something to eat with David. And here, with Christ and his followers, they also didn't have anything to eat. But there is a place with something good for eating. Uh, that was in the temple, and here it is in the field, green field. The situations were just alike. This implies that what David and his followers did was a type, was a shadow. And now what Christ and his disciples did here was a fulfillment of that shadow. Well, Bob, this was a very interesting reply that the Lord Jesus gave to the Pharisees. Let's explore it a little bit. Basically, he pointed them to two aspects about himself. Number one, that he is the real David. And number two, that he is greater than the temple. How did these things answer their questions about why he and his disciples could break these regulations of the Sabbath? Well, here the Lord referred to a, an incident in the Old Testament in the book of First Samuel, David and his men were uh, rejected by Saul, the king, and Saul was seeking to kill David. So David went to the temple. He was hungry. He didn't have any food. He went to the temple, and he asked the priest for bread. And the only bread the priest had was the bread of the presence, or the show bread, that uh, was supposed to be displayed in the temple and was for the priest to eat. But uh, the priest gave David this bread, and uh, God did not consider that David did anything to violate the regulations. By mentioning this case, the Lord was implying that he was the real David. In the Old Testament, when David entered the picture, actually there was a change of dispensation from the age of the priesthood where the priests were considered to be the most important people in God's economy, to the age of the kingship. And in the, in the age of the kingship, it was the king who was above the priests. Here the Lord was in, implying that he was the real David and that he had come to bring in a change of dispensation. So when the Lord Jesus, as the real David, came, he brought with him a change of dispensation from the Old Testament law with its regulations to the New Testament age of grace. And in the New Testament age of grace, the law has no place. The law is set aside 
and Christ is everything. So whatever Christ says in the age of grace, that's the way it should be. And no one should hold the Lord guilty for what he says or does in the age of grace. But then, after that, the Lord referred to another incident in the Old Testament, the fact that the priests in the temple on the Sabbath continued to carry out their priestly duties, and they were not held guilty of breaking the Sabbath. Why? Because they were in the temple. They were in the holy place called the temple. And whatever they did in the temple was fine, according to God. So, the Lord told them, Someone who is greater than the temple is here with you now. That means the Lord Jesus is greater than the temple. And this means that when he and his disciples were in the grain fields, his disciples, whatever the disciples did, they did it in him as the greater temple. So this also implies another change from the physical temple of the Old Testament to a person, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, who is the real temple of God. He is the dwelling place of God. And whatever his followers do in him is holy, and they should not be held guilty of breaking any kind of regulations. So whatever we do in Christ is acceptable to God, and we're not guilty. So these two uh, incidents the Lord used to reveal something quite wonderful about himself. He is the real David who brings in a change of dispensation from the age of the law to the age of grace in which Christ is everything and the law is nothing. And then that he is the greater temple and whatever we do in him is acceptable to God. What an answer that he gave to them. What a way to stop the mouths of the religious accusers and unveil the magnificent Christ in two more tremendous aspects. Well, our final section today, Bob, brings us to the ultimate rejection of Christ by these Jewish religious leaders. And this rejection is going to result in the fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy that has great implications for us. So let's go back to Witness Lee now. He was in the greenfield, and he got the case. And all the seven patrol were defeated. He was surely a troublemaker. From the greenfield, he transferred all his disciples to the synagogue <laughs> to make more trouble. <laughs> the seven patrol caught him, but they didn't arrest him. Right in the synagogue, it's quite meaningful. A man with with their hand. And his opposers took that as a good chance to puzzle him, asking him, is it legal on the Sabbath to heal this sick one? This time, you see the Lord's wisdom? He didn't quote any verse, but he referred them to their practice, having a sick fallen into a pit on the Sabbath. That, again, shut up their mouths. What was there on the heart of this heavenly king was not Sabbath. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. What is Sabbath? I don't care. I only care, my dear members, any member of my body who is sick who is weak, 
who is in a hard situation, I'll do something to make him healed, rescued, to make him living. A short time ago, he was free to minister. But from this time, he was not free to minister. He had to head himself just due to the break of the religious regulation, just due to the care of the headship and the members of his body. Due to this, I tell you, the rejection went to the peak. Today, the principle is the same. The more we care for Christ and his body, the hair, the opposition will go. Here, Isaiah's prophet indicates the turn to Gentiles because it says he shall announce judgment to the nations. That means to the Gentiles. And then at the end of this section, verse 21 says, and in his name, the nations shall hope. All these indicate one thing, that now the heavenly king turned from the so-called holy people to the Gentiles. Bob, whenever we experience Christ taking care of our weaknesses or feeding us within, then we are surely enjoying him as the real Sabbath. But the result of this incredible encounter between the Lord Jesus and uh, the Sabbath patrol or the Pharisees was a fulfillment of prophecy in Isaiah that he referred to right at the end here. And this is quoted in chapter 12 of Matthew. What does this prophecy refer to? Well, after the Lord Jesus uh, fed his disciples in the grain fields and then he healed a man with a withered hand in the synagogue on the Sabbath, then from that point on, the religious leaders of Judaism rejected him, rejected Christ to the uttermost. And it says here in Matthew that they began make a plot to put the Lord to death or to destroy the Lord. So you can see their rejection of the Lord was absolute and very intense. So from this point on, the Lord began to withdraw himself and to hide himself from the religious people. And this, according to Matthew 12, was a fulfillment of a prophecy in Isaiah. And in this prophecy... Isaiah said that Christ, as the servant of God, would announce justice to the Gentiles and that the Gentiles would hope in his name. This indicates that at this point, the Lord Jesus, as the king of the heavenly kingdom, because of the rejection of the leaders of the Jews, he made a turn to the Gentiles. And from that point on, he would work among the Gentiles to establish his heavenly kingdom among the Gentiles. So this is the situation that we see today because the Jewish people, for the most part, have rejected Christ. Christ, for the last nearly 2,000 years, has turned to the Gentiles and has established his kingdom in the Gentile world. Of course, at the end of this age, the Lord will return and the Jews will be saved. But between the time of his death and resurrection to the time of his second coming, the Lord's been working to establish his kingdom mainly in the Gentile world. Hmm. 
Well, Bob, I know we're out of time. I did want to get this last point in. It's a very good springboard for what's ahead of us. I think to really get into Matthew chapter 13 from this point on, we have to understand this dispensational change taking place right at this pivot point, so to speak, in the Gospel of Matthew. I appreciate your developing this uh, big point in a very uh, short time for us. Thanks very much, and again, thank you for being with us as always on our program. Well, I look forward to being with you again, Chris. Well, we'll have you back very, very soon. We hope that you'll join us tomorrow, in fact, uh, those of you listening, and uh, we invite you to also call us. Our toll-free number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. For Bob Danker, I'm Chris Well. Thank you for listening today. Throughout the centuries, the Lord has recovered many truths concerning His purpose and plan for humanity. The recovery version of the New Testament by Living Stream Ministry presents these crucial truths in a format that is easy to understand and study. This faithful translation of the original Greek text includes outlines of each book of the New Testament, over 9,000 footnotes, more than 13,000 cross-references, charts of important truths, and color maps. The New Testament recovery version from Living Stream Ministry is available at Christian bookstores everywhere. Or you can order by calling 1-888-543-3788. That's 1-888-543-3788.